What is up, family? It's Dr. Dale, the author of How to Raise the Doctor Wisdom from Parents Who Did It, Pre-Med Mondays, Black Men in White Coats, and the Dr. Doc Children series. Grab your copies on Amazon.com. Um, as a matter of fact, just put out the most recent Dr. Doc book. It's called Dr. Doc, Tony, and Jace Learn About Bones. Just put that out yesterday, guys. So make sure you go grab your copies. Tell me if you like it. Drop a review on Amazon. will be much appreciated. It's a really good book. Um, all right, before we get into here, this episode, I got to remind the pre-meds, if you're not on premedmondays.com, make sure you join premedmondays.com. Every Monday evening, you'll be on a video chat with either me, a medical student, or another medical doctor, and we coach you guys. We go directly through the Pre-Med Mondays book. We teach you guys for about 30 to 45 minutes, and then we take your questions, and we make sure that you guys have all the information you need to be an excellent pre-med and a leader in life. Also, for everybody listening to this, if you're in the field of healthcare, make sure you join diversemedicine.com. You can mentor there. You can you can uh, get a mentor there. We got some med school recruiters using it to find pre-med students and just a great community, a lot of resources there. So diversemedicine.com. All right, guys, I'm throwing an audible in this week. I had somebody lined up for you guys, but this COVID thing got kind of real. So today I'm going to hit you guys up with just a little bit of information on COVID. So I'm throwing an audible in here, right? So I had something else lined up for today's episode, but more and more I feel like people are asking questions and about COVID and such. And I've talked to, you know, some of my friends and colleagues in the medical field. And, you know, initially I just wasn't even going to use Black Men and White Coats as a platform at all to discuss uh, COVID because I wanted that to come more from a direct um, kind of medical perspective because black men and white coats, we don't focus on the medicine of anything. We focus on storytelling and, and then people get their messages out there. But, you know, we've had so many people and, you know, whether people in the medical field asking us, Hey, you're going to use this platform or just people who are not in the medical field, just asking some questions about, Hey, what should we be doing right now in COVID situation? Um, so I thought, let me throw an audible in today. I'm not going to really go into much too crazy detail about this, but I am going to use this episode just to touch a little bit briefly on COVID. And I am a pulmonary and critical care physician. Yes. So that means I deal with the lungs. I deal with ICU patients, critically ill patients. So, you know, I'm the guy that whenever this COVID thing gets really bad and you're seeing people on in the ICU and on life support, I'm one of those doctors who helps take care of them. So, you know, I know a little bit about about the situation. I'm not going to at all pretend to be the COVID expert. You can put on the news and you can see um, experts who are completely 100% focused on this. I am reading and keeping up to date with all this stuff and all the guidelines. However, I don't want you to to leave here and feel as though you have everything you need to know about COVID, right? There are daily briefings coming out and you guys should watch and pay attention to these things, right? So I'm just going to touch on COVID again really briefly just to just to get you guys um, some background information just to make sure everybody's at least caught up to a certain level of speed here. All right, so first of all, COVID, what is COVID? As basic as it gets, it stands for, so it's C-O-V-I-D, 
The CO is Corona, VI is virus, the D is disease, and you'll see we say COVID-19, and it's 19 because it, all this started happening in the year 2019. So that's why we say COVID-2019. Um, this is a bad bug, guys. It's a bad bug. It's not a joke. I was looking at one of our friends on Facebook. She just posted um, a nice little, she's a doctor. She posted a Facebook quote, and she ended it with, I mean, a Facebook post, and she ended it by saying, this is not a drill. And that is so true. If you, if you hear nothing else from this podcast episode, just know that this is not a drill. And I'm going to start off by with that because one of the biggest questions that I'm getting right now, almost anytime I talk to somebody who's not in the medical field, one of the biggest questions I'm getting, and from the black community too, I should mention, is, hey, is this overkill? All the stay-at-home stuff, is, is this overkill? And, you know, I don't know if this is true or not, but I feel as though a lot of individuals aren't taking the the stay at home and these lockdowns and these shelter in, in house, shelter in home. A lot of people aren't taking these as serious, you know, up front whenever like Trump is saying certain things or I I, I, I don't want to get political on here, but I think there's a lot of mistrust with Donald Trump. So whenever Trump says certain things, a lot of people automatically turn your ears off automatically and don't listen to, to Trump. And whether you like Trump or don't like Trump, that's not the point here. But the point in this situation is you know, we're not in a situation where we can we, we can turn our ears off to certain things coming from from that podium. Um, you know, is he going to say some crazy stuff from time to time? Eh, right. But when we're talking about COVID and lives and things of that sort, especially when he brings up uh, medical experts to stand, stand next to him, that's important. We need to pay attention to these things. OK, um, and I'm not going to say I agree with everything that's coming from there. or I don't agree, whatever. I'm not getting into the politics again. But what I am going to tell you is I do agree with this idea of shelter in place, stay at home as much as you can. Go out for your walks and do those things. That's fine. But you don't need to be out there high-fiving people in major social gatherings with people who aren't part of your direct family, right? Or really any social gatherings right now. And, you know, so the question everybody says is, hey, Dr. Dale, is that a bit extreme? Is it extreme? Well, it might be extreme, but what I want you guys to consider is the alternative. The alternative is you don't do that. The alternative is this COVID gets even more rampant. You got to think about this. In Italy last week, in 24 hours, 793 people died in a 24-hour time period. I'm going to say that again. In a 24-hour time period, 793 people people died. 793 people died from COVID in a 24-hour period. That is crazy, right? So that's the alternative if we don't take these drastic measures. You look in countries, you know, China and all these places, South Korea, these places that are slowing it down. How are they slowing it down? They are being very, very strict about the stay at home. That's why it's slowing down. That's why their healthcare infrastructures are now able to handle these things, right? We don't have all these crazy solutions yet. We don't have solutions. And I'll talk about some of the things we're thinking about in terms of treatment, but we, we don't have a, a magic bullet that's going to stop this right now. But what we do know stops it is by not getting exposed to it. And the way you don't get exposed to it is by staying away from it. So stay in your house. Because here's the deal. People can be asymptomatic and probably still spread this, right? That's kind of the, the general belief. What's going on? People can be asymptomatic or not have major symptoms. You might have little runny nose, not think anything of it, and still spread this virus, right? That's a problem. So you can't say, you know, my eight-year-old son today, I was telling him why we're staying at home um, during this whole thing. And he said, well, the people who have it just won't go out. And I said, well, son, the problem is you don't always know that you have it, right? So you're spreading this virus and things of that sort. That's the problem. Right. So this stay home thing is real, guys. You got to do it. And as somebody in the healthcare, and again, as somebody who's a critical care physician, I personally am asking you, if nothing else, to stay home for the sake of the healthcare workers, because what's going to happen is 
if COVID goes rampant like it is and is going to New York right now, so prayers to everybody in New York uh, with a specific prayer for the healthcare workers in Italy. I mean, goodness gracious, it's just, it's just berserks out in Italy. What happens is the healthcare system is overwhelmed. There's not, there's not enough doctors, there's not enough ventilators, there's not enough um, protective um, equipment, PPE, PPE equipment, right? We don't have enough of these things to adequately take care of the patients or adequately protect the doctors from catching this disease. And I say doctors, not just doctors. You got to think about the respiratory therapists, they're frontline. Nurses, frontline. There's so many people who are part of this, right? All the healthcare workers, even the people who check you in at the missions desk, right? We can't protect all these people from getting COVID, right? So these individuals are getting, so that means we have less healthcare workers who can help take care of the disease now. And it's just a crazy situation, right? It's just it's just a crazy vicious cycle. More people get it, more healthcare workers get sick because more healthcare workers are sick. That means they can't go to work, so they can't take care of people who are getting it. More people are dying. Crazy cycle, right? And so that's what we're trying to avoid. That's why we say stay at home, so we we have less people getting it. And let's say even if, let's say theoretically, let's say if a hundred people were going to get it, I'm just making that number up. Of course, we're talking about hundreds of thousands, if not millions, millions getting this by the end of all this. Okay, but let's just say for the sake of example, hundred people get it. Now, if everybody goes out and does what they're going to do, 100 people might get it. If everybody stays in your house and we wait 7, 8, 9, 10 months, 100 people might still get it, right? So let's say 100 people get it no matter what. But in one situation, 100 people get it in a week. In the other situation, 100 people get it over 10 months. The fact that it's spread out, that's why we say flatten the curve. The fact that there's not a spike and that it's spread out, that really helps us in the healthcare system that helps us take care of patients. So now we're not making these crazy decisions that weigh heavily on our hearts, but maybe even uh, more important is these are life and death decisions. Now we're not making these decisions about who gets to be on a ventilator and who doesn't get to be on a ventilator when we have one ventilator left and 10 patients coming in who need it, right? Those are the types of decisions that are getting, that are getting made now. Okay. So that's why we're so adamant about the stay at home thing. You know, we're going to bat for you guys. We we chose this career. I love what I do. You know, I, I absolutely love taking care of patients in this situation, helping people get better. But we're going to bat for you guys, and it's going to be tough. Um, you know, where I'm at right now, we're not even in the thick of things yet. But I'm thinking, looking across the country and seeing all these other areas, man, and hearing from my friends, like, they're in it. And I and know where I'm at is coming. We're on the verge right now. We're starting to get it. So it's coming right now. Right. So we're going to bet for you and, and we signed up for this and we're all proud and we're honored to do this for the patients and for ourselves, because all end of the day, every human's a patient. So what we ask from everybody else is just to stay at home, abide by the social distancing. And you're going to hear people pushing and saying things about the economy is going to crash. Look, guys, I understand that. And trust me, I don't want any of that to happen. Nobody wants any of that to happen. Right. But. And I don't know what the outcomes, I don't know what's going to be worse. Trump said that if people don't get back out and the economy doesn't start going, he said we might lose more lives. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if he's just making, pulling that out from somewhere. I have no idea. I don't know if that's real data. I don't know. I know that it is, I know if the economy is not good, bad things are going to happen. Okay, that is going to happen. You know, and, and I have a strong hunch that it's not going to be pretty. But I have a much stronger hunch that's factual that we're seeing that if more and more people are getting this COVID really bad things are going to happen. A lot of people are going to die. We're going to lose a meaningful percent of our human population, a meaningful percentage of the human population, right? It's been said that the biggest single existential threat to mankind is the virus. We cannot let this virus get haywire and go out of hand on us, okay? So, all right, let me go back. So COVID, I told you what it stands for, what it stood for. And the COVID is, um, the virus is actually the coronavirus, and it's called corona because 
it's a crown shape. If you look at the pictures of it, you'll see it has these little spikes that are coming off of it, these S-spikes that are coming off of it, and they make the kind of this crown shape. So that's why they call it coronavirus. It's a, it's a family of viruses, and there's there's different ones, right? So normally you think about the common cold. Common cold is coronavirus, right? Um, you think about SARS back in the day, right? So we call that SARS-CoV, and that's to, just to, for SARS coronavirus, and SARS is severe um, um, acute respiratory syndrome. Severe respiratory syndrome, yeah, and that was SARS-CoV back in you know um, early two thousands. Then you had um, MERS, M-E-R-S, um, which was Middle Eastern because it was in the Middle East, Middle Eastern Respiratory Syndrome, and now you have the COVID, which is SARS-CoV two because it's similar strain, but it's a it's a little bit different from the actual SARS that came back early in the 2000s. So this is COVID-2 instead of just COVID like the earlier one was, right? So these are the viruses that we're dealing with. Um, you know, very, very contagious, very infectious. They say that for every one person who gets it, the spread is about 2.6. So you imagine how exponentially fast that goes. So if you get it, you can expect to spread it to at least 2.6 people, right? And if everybody's doing that, the number of people who get it expands really, really quickly, right? So that's how you can go from one person getting it to 100 people within a matter of days or weeks, right? Really quick spread, okay? Now, who's getting infected by it? You know, well, anybody can be a carrier and get infected by it, but the thing you're hearing on the news a lot of, about the people who are at highest risk to end up in ICUs and to die um, or, you know, elder populations. So each decade of life you are, the chances of, of you know, mortality, death from it uh, go up. And that, of course, and of course, other individuals who have comorbid comorbid just means other diseases um, along with it. So like diabetes, hypertension, things of that sort, um, any immunosuppressed state, or if you're on immunosuppressive medications, these individuals are all at increased risk of of having poor outcomes if they're infected with COVID. Um, treatment. So a lot of people want to know, is there a cure? Is there a treatment? I'm just, guys, I'm just rambling. I don't, I don't have any notes or anything prepared. I'm just talking off the top of my head and I wasn't even going to do this. I literally just got home from a walk and you know, I was talking to my neighbors and you know, different people uh, stopping us and asking us because they know we're in the healthcare field, asking us about COVID and things of that sort. And I was just answering questions. And it just it really just struck me like, wow, I think in the healthcare field, we take it for granted some of these things and don't realize that everybody um, doesn't understand why we're saying to do certain things, doesn't understand as much about the condition because, you know, we're we think about this all day, every day. And this is our lives this is what we went to school for. But, you know, it's not fair to everybody else to expect them just to think the same way we think. So I just said, let me just come home. Let me change up the game plan. Let me throw in this quick COVID podcast. And then next week we can get back on schedule, um, depending on what's going on with COVID in the world at that point in time. So treatments and so people are saying, what are the treatments? Um, you know, the big thing that we're hearing on Well, first of all, we, we do what's called supportive therapy. You just try to support people through this. So. You know, COVID can Im- impact a lot of stuff. The symptoms you're going to be dealing with, of course, you're going to be dealing with respiratory symptoms. You talk about a fever, uh, dry cough, shortness of breath. Um, some people might have like sinus, like um, sniffles, things of that sort as well. Um, you know, you can get diarrhea, um, GI upset. So it can affect uh, different things, right? Different systems, right? But the main things we always talk about is the respiratory, sim- resp- respiratory system. So... Of course, whenever you're, you're talking about treatment for any virus, for the most part, for most viruses, supportive care. So how do you, you know, take the medications you need to support yourself through that? So whether it be Tylenol, I will say a lot of people were taking ibuprofen and um, aspirin. That's the cat- category of drugs we call NSAIDs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, NSAIDs. The, the, the verdict's not out here. The jury's not out on this yet, but 
there is a general thought that maybe people should avoid those medications in this whole COVID situation. And that's just because um, the NSAIDs inhibit an enzyme called COX, COX-2, and COX, COX actually helps produce antibodies in the body. So the thought is, if you're taking these NSAIDs and you're blocking certain antibody production, then perhaps that could lead to worse outcomes. And there are people saying, well, maybe that's why a lot of people in Italy weren't doing as well because, you know, they were getting fevers and then they were taking these these medications and they had poor outcomes. We don't know that for a fact. All that stuff is speculation. But I'll tell you, for me and my household, if I get it, anybody in my household, you know, NSAIDs are not going to be the first drugs we go to. I'll be looking more probably towards Tylenol. Don't take that as any sort of medical advice. I don't know. I'm just saying based on what what's circulating out there in the medical community. These are things that people are speculating, okay? So so you can take these medications if, you, if you're coming down and feel Ill, Ill at home. Um, but the biggest thing is if you're feeling ill, you need to call your doctor and go get tested. So that is the number one recommendation I would have. Call your doctor, tell them your symptoms, and see how you can go get tested for this. And being tested is important, first of all, just so you know what you have. And second of all, so you don't spread it, so you know for a fact to isolate yourself. And let's say that you can't get tested, just automatically act like you have it. If everybody just acted like they had it and stayed quarantined, then we get through this, okay? So just act like you have it anyways, right, and stay away from people, all right? So you get sick enough, you end up in the hospital. When you get in the hospital, we'll do all these, all the regular treatment that I just mentioned, kind of the supportive care, and then you get some oxygen. If you need oxygen, we'll give you a little bit of oxygen and such. And and for people who don't do as well, who the disease progresses, you know, ultimately they might end up on a mechanical ventilation, intubation, so that's life, life support for your breathing, and then you might end up needing some life support for some other organs as well, right? And that's obviously the big fear. That's what people are scared to go into this life support state where they end up on a ventilator. And then, you know, we are having people people die from this. In the U.S., um, last I heard a couple of days ago, it was 1.3% uh, mortality, which, and that's all coming from mortality. But really, that 1.3% is really going to be much lower than that, right? Because we're not testing m- a lot of people who have the disease just aren't getting tested, right? So a lot of people out there actually haven't, just have no idea they have it. So it's really significantly lower than 1.3%, but based on the number of people we know have it and the number of people who are dying, about 1.3%, right? Um, that's not the lowest in the world. That's not the highest in the world, okay? Um, you know, some places are, are getting pretty up there and talk, talk about more like 3 to 4%, right, um, in terms of mortality, death rate from this, whereas other places were down as those like 07 or so, a little bit lower. So... U.S. isn't doing, we're not doing horrible in the U.S. Um, we can do better. We can do better, and I think that we will start doing better. All right, so once you're in the hospital, then the question is, are there any, any medications that can be taken from this? You know, we don't know. We don't know if these medications really, truly work. Um, I will be. I will say this. Be careful of what you're taking at home. Don't, don't take just random things at home. We saw on the news recently where, um, I don't know how true this is, but what I heard, and again, I don't know how true, so you go fact check this yourself. Don't come back and say, Dr. Dale said this happened. You go fact check this yourself. But what I heard was that some patients, um, some people were seeing on news just talk about hydroxychloroquine, and they said, well, I, you know, we have some hydroxychloroquine at home, but it turned out to be something that they put in an aquarium tank or something like that, um, aquarium tank cleaners. They took it. Um, I believe the husband died, and last I heard, the wife was in critical condition. I don't know what they took, guys. I have no idea what they took, but these are the types of things that are circulating. Nonetheless, the point that I'm making is be careful what you take. Don't just go start taking things that are um, supposed to be pre- – hydroxychloroquine is a prescription medication. So don't just start taking things that you think are that, all right, and thinking you're going to protect yourself from this. That's not how it works. 
right? These things, dose matters. So even if you did a hydroxychloroquine, if you're taking the wrong dose, it can be dangerous to you, okay? So doses of medications matter. Don't go start taking these things without talking to your doctor, right? There's a reason why doctors go to school for so long and do all this stuff. Don't just start trying to doctor yourself, okay? That's not how these things work, right? That's just, that's just not, you should not be doing that, especially in this current situation, all right? But so the main drug that people are talking about right now is this hydroxychloroquine, um, and or you might hear people talking about chloroquine. T- technically, two separate drugs, but you know, chloroquine, um, anti-malarial drug, and and you know, use a lot, a lot, kind of in Africa, Middle East areas where you worried about malaria. You know, I was born in Nigeria. My mom tells me stories about when we were kids and young. You know, everybody had this drug. You just take it like it was nothing, just because malaria. You know, it's kind of it's more common over there, of course. But anyways, that's that's what the drug is, and you know, Plaquenil is kind of is one of the trade names, one of the brand names for the this drug, hydroxychloroquine. On the news, guys, everybody's saying the, the name wrong. The, the, the drug name is hydroxychloroquine, okay? So hydroxychloroquine, um, most people now who, who you hear take it, they take it for certain rheumatologic conditions, right? So like lupus or other autoimmune conditions. That's where most people are going to be taking this medication for, right? Um, so there's, there's a thought that maybe this medication has some efficacy against coronavirus, against covid and a lot of people, you know, Trump said a lot of people raising their eyes. And again, I think that's one of those things where just when Trump says something now, there's so much mistrust with, with some of the things that he says that people automatically turn off. Um, but I will tell you that there have been some early studies and th- th- some studies with early results. These are not any sort of real results. So, again, don't start quoting me and say Dr. Dale said this works. But I'm talking these are small studies, with like 30 something people, very early type of studies. And they're not even necessarily looking at clinical improvement. But what they're looking at is when you take this medication, does the viral load, so you can measure the amount of virus in somebody's body, does the amount of virus go away or, or decrease significantly? And the very, very early reports of these are showing res- promising potential to hydroxychloroquine actually decreasing the amount of virus in the blood of individuals who have coronavirus versus those who don't get it, right? So on that front, it is looking somewhat possibly promising, okay? Very early. You can't you can't take this to the bank by any means. And then you hear about azithromycin in addition to that. This idea of azithromycin in addition to that in that same tiny preliminary study, um, they also had some some beneficial results with that. Um, the patients who, who had hydroxychloroquine and azithromycin actually did even better in terms of viral load counts than those who had just uh, just a chloroquine, I mean, just a hydroxychloroquine overall. Sorry, guys, I know I'm throwing a lot at you guys. My mind's racing like crazy. There's so much I want to say, but every now and then I try to pull back because I realize, again, I don't want to get too medical. But the point that I'm making there is there may be some potential promise to this, right? Um, nothing definite. There's no real trials, nothing that you can you can take to the bank nothing that would get FDA approved by any means but just because we're in a crisis situation people are beginning to use this in the off label and I don't know what the FDA is going to do but people are beginning to use this this medication for that situation right and some people are swearing by it and some people are saying it didn't help so you know time will tell um so that that's one main thing okay and also let me say this there are people in this country who take that medication on a daily basis and need that medication. So don't just start trying to find ways to cheat and cheat the system and get that medication, right? Because first of all, the vast, vast majority of people, I should have said this earlier on, the vast, vast majority of people who get coronavirus will not have, will not go to the hospitals. It's, it's, the stuff you see on TV, that's a, that's a small percentage. It's a small percentage of everybody who gets it, but the fact of the matter is it's still a big enough number that's causing a lot of people to die, okay? But... But the vast majority of people who get coronavirus 
aren't going to be hospitalized. You know, they're they're not going to need, you know, taking hydroxychloroquine is not even going to be a question for them whether or not they even need it. Right. <clears throat> so don't go don't go start trying to find ways to hoard it. And, you know, and, and if you're a doctor, don't start trying to prescribe it to yourself. We heard that that's happening. That might be happening by some doctors. Right. That's illegal. I'm fairly, I, I think that's illegal, actually. Let me say that. I'm fairly confident that there can be some serious repercussions against that, so do not do that, all right? Right? Be be kind to your fellow human and think about what you're doing, okay? Um, think about what's right versus what's wrong. So don't start trying to find ways to hoard that medication, okay? Um, the government's talking to various companies like Bayer and such and trying to get them to ramp up production of these medications so there'll be enough for everybody. And when you talk about having enough for everybody, the question is, or the it's not just about having enough for everybody who's sick, but also having enough for people to use as prophylaxis. Um, so people who work in the healthcare field, maybe have them take it, and that might decrease the chances of them getting it if this drug turns out to work, right? Um, or, or people who've been exposed by friends and family, right? So that's so we're talking about, is it possible to get enough for all of that? I don't know the answer to that. The, the pharmaceutical companies are actively working on that right now. Um, all right, something else, and there, and there are a lot of other drugs that people are talking about, and they're doing studies, Kaletra, and di different types of drugs that people are, are trying to look at. Nothing's really completely panning out yet. Hydroxychloroquine, azithromycin, is kind of leading the race in terms of, you know, what might work. Something else that people are starting to look at now is the BCG vaccine. The BCG vaccination is, um, is a vaccination that they give for tuberculosis, mostly in developing nations. Um, again, I was born in Nigeria, so I had it when I was a baby. Right. So most in developing nations in the United States of America, we really don't give out the BCG vaccination. But, you know, India, all the, a lot of other countries across the world give this out. And again, it's, it's an it's a tuberculosis vaccination. Right. Tuberculosis vaccination is not a coronavirus vaccination. But what people have have noted from studies in the past and what some people believe is that if you take the BCG vaccination, you have I'm not going to get into too much detail here, but you have. You know, you have um, different types of immune protection to so your body's defense in your body. You, you know, you have like a humoral system, innate system specific, um, two main types of, of immune. So you have your innate and your specific. OK, your specific are your antibodies and such. Your innate are just they go out and they kill anything bad in your body. But the antibodies go out and kill specific things. OK, so what they think happens with BCG is it revs up your your innate immunity, which is the one that just goes out and kills anything that's bad. But it also it also has some some positive benefits for your antibody production, right? So, if there is a particular virus or something for whatever reason, they're thinking this BCG might rev up your rev up your your antibody production system that it can do a better job fighting off some of these viruses. Again, very early, no real data on that whatsoever. These are just some some studies, little um, anecdotal things as well that have been put together. So that's something that people are starting to look at now. And the question is coming, hey, should we be considering giving certain people the BCG vaccination to, to rev them up? And again, these are things that that are not even close to being mainstream yet. But in a situation like this where it's a COVID crisis, people are reaching, guys. People are reaching for whatever, whatever they can get, all right? Um, again, there's different other medications or their thoughts but the main thing i'm going to go back to this that you guys need to hear you guys need to be doing is this social distancing right you don't need the drugs if you don't get the if you don't get the virus if we can keep people from spreading this virus you don't need the drugs all right um and even if we can just slow it down again let's say the same number of people end up getting it if we can slow it down and spread it out over time that's going to make a tremendous difference on our ability to care for patients so you know, flatten the curve, social distance, shelter in home. Do these things, guys. I know it's tough. I know there's economic 
issues and you know trust me I, I understand that you know people are sending me messages and telling me about these things so i understand i understand you guys are going through it um but at the same time people gotta stay alive right like people have to stay alive if if there's nobody to come to your business then what is what's the point of having a business right so we, we got to keep people alive we gotta think about humanity we have to really think about this thing and and none of us really have we can create all the models we want but none of us really know what will happen if we just let this thing run rampant we don't know what will happen. You know, people have different estimates of what it might do, but nobody really knows, right? Because viruses, these things do mutate and strain and things of that sort. So nobody really knows what will happen. So the best thing for us is just to slow the spread, shelter in home, be serious about this. You know, go out, take your walk, stay with your family, stay at least six feet away from the next person. If you got a mask and want to wear it, that's fine. Wear the mask or whatever. But, you know, the main thing is just don't be coming into close social contact with other individuals. If you're sick, don't go to work stay at home right even if even if it's not mandated in your state or your county still do your best to stay at home right and i'm going out and i'm seeing people who in different environments who don't need to be at work going to work and trying to say oh i need to be here no if you don't need to be in the building stay at home right stay at home um very important guys this is very important and you guys probably feel hopefully you're feeling my passion is more than usual on these types of topics but that's because this is a real dire situation. People are dying. Healthcare professions are being overworked, right? A lot of stress going on right now. So we need everybody to do their part. This is bigger than, than doctors, bigger than nurses, bigger than, than RTs, bigger than physical therapy, bigger than everybody. This is everybody's involved in this. Everybody has a role to play in this, right? And for all of us, the number one role is to do our best not to get infected. Wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. Use hand sanitizer at least 20 seconds. Make sure you're getting in, in between those nails as well. You know, all these things that you guys see, you know you're supposed to do. These are real. Again, as my friend said, this is not a drill. It's go time. It's time for us to step it up and do the right thing. All right, guys. I mean, I can, I can go on about this forever and ever and ever and just keep on talking about COVID. And, you know, trust me, it's consuming a lot of my life. I don't, I don't know. Last time I read this much about any particular topic and watched so many videos and such. Um so I'm going to take a step back from it right now, but I had to have this little audible and just touch on it for today's episode. Um, because particularly in our community, I understand that sometimes we have mistrust, um, and I understand why, right? We have mistrust coming from the president's platform. Sometimes I get that. Okay. But again, I'm not getting political, right? I'm not, I'm not here to say prison's right, prison's wrong. It has nothing to do with what I do here. Okay. But what I am trying to say here today is when you have these doctors up on stage talking or when you have a lot of us have doctors on social media as our friends and things of that sort, pay attention to what you're saying, right? Don't be out here making your own rules and your own decisions. It's important in particular for the black community because guys, and not just the black community, but the underrepresented minorities community, we know these healthcare disparities exist. So what what's to make us think that when COVID is going rampant, these healthcare disparities aren't going to get worse for people who look like us, right? So the best way you can protect yourself in our community is by us doing the things we know we're supposed to do. Wash your hands, good hygiene, shelter in place, stay at home, social distancing. All right. No, it's tough, man, but we got to be in this together, right? Hey, uh, I was just going on the walk and um, one of our neighbors saw us and she was talking to my wife and I and she said that she, she's got a, a, she's saying a prayer for us and she has a very special Bible verse. She said it's her 911 verse. And she said it's Psalm 9111. I told my wife, that's not really 911, that's 9111. <laughs> but anyway, she says it's Psalm 9111. So I encourage you all to grab your Bibles 
and and to read that. And that's my prayer for all of us right now. That's my prayer for everybody listening to this. Healthcare workers, I love you guys. I appreciate all of you guys being there on the front lines. And hey, we chose to go into this field. Let's do our thing and let's make let's make everybody proud. And and um, you know, let's remember it's a privilege to practice medicine and an honor to take care of the people that that we enter the field to take care of. Love you guys. Set you a goal.